right. Are we ready to go? We are ready to go. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Longbox Heroes After Dark, number 183. Side note, soon to be named Movie Club Roman numeral 5, Smokey and the Bandit number 3. Right. Oh, boy, there's a lot going on in that episode title. But before we get to talking about the movie, Todd. Right, right. I had mentioned to you I wanted to tell you about my week. I can hardly wait. You always have the best weeks. I do. The weakness is my weakness. That's right. Well, you you have the best weeks. I have the best strongs. Right. So as we mentioned on the show last week, Todd, uh, there's been a lot of rain going on in the uh, in the northeastern Pennsylvania area. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that it was going to be uh, raining this weekend. I saw that it was going to be clear on Sunday, but I knew that I had my kids' uh, soccer game, and hopefully that wouldn't have gotten rained out. Surprisingly, it did not get rained out. And I was at work, super secret science job on Thursday, and we were kind of slow. And I'm looking at the weather forecast, and I'm looking at my time, and I decided to use a little bit of my vacation time (laughs) so I could leave work early to go mow my lawn. Right. Which is the sadness of my life. That's fantastic, taking time off to, to mow your lawn. I can't get you to go to a con, but... You're like, oh, I can mow my lawn. I don't catch hell if I miss a con. (laughs) You forget about it and move on, but my lawn is still here. Maybe I should not forget about it and be like your lawn, just persistent. Right, you should be like my lawn so I could use my new weed whacker on you. It's this funky James Bond tool. It has been a while since I've had my weed whack. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we got a fancy one too. It's a blade or it's a it's a stringless one. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have a metal blade. It has like this like polycarbonate plastic oh. thing. Right. I I was doing research on Sunday of lightweight stringless electric Weed whackers. Wow, you're on a list. And by the way, you know how you said you have a fancy one? Yeah. Just remember, whenever I say I, 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 I want a, a patented fancy from you, that's exactly how you say it. Oh, okay. And you're like, no, that's the other guy. I'm like, no, you always go, oh, that sounds fancy. <laughs> that's my Joe impersonation of my fancy. Well, the other guy claims to be a fancy gentleman, but I truly mm. am a fancy gentleman. You are, but you don't have an 83-inch TV. I don't need to see whatever the hell I... I don't watch it. The, the high-resolute graphics of the GameCube that I play on the TV in my living room don't really need to pop on the 83-inch TV. Are you saying Smokey the Bandit 3 wouldn't have been better in 83 inches? No, I watched that on my computer monitor. I don't. I can't watch anything out in the living room. What? It's lucky I'm allowed out of this room that I'm in that I record the show in. The cat's got more freedom. Oh, forget about it. We 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 tease Asa all the time and say that the cat thinks that we live with her. Oh yeah. Um, because April always yells at the cat for like going on the table and going on the counters. Mm-hmm. And during the middle of the night when they're asleep and I'm doing whatever I'm doing and the cat jumps up on the table or the counter, I just look at her and I'm like, they're asleep, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know when I came over for uh, that that big wrestling event, whatever it's called, the big one during the year. WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> yep. Hold on, I'm pointing at a sign right now as you say that. Um, 
I, I come over and your wife's like, well, if you see Neoki jump up on the table, push him down and yell at him. And I'm like, not my cat, not my, uh, right. or as I was told by a brilliant person, not my circus, not my monkeys oh. kind of a deal. You, know? <laughs> you, you deal with your cat. Right. So, uh, get the lawn mode. Uh, the reason we got the new weed whacker is because the the one that we have now is like over ten years old. Mm-hmm. Does it work though? Okay, it works, but I have to change the spark plugs like every year. So shouldn't have to change the spark plugs every year on something like that. It claim the spark plugs claim that it should they, they should be good for three years. Okay, now did you do the the math? Like, mm-hmm. how much is a spark plug versus a new weed whacker? New weed whacker was only like uh, fifty six bucks. How much is a spark plug? Spark plugs are a lot less, but the problem is this one is like a gas powered one, so it's a little heavy. Mm-hmm. And certain people who are not strong in this house can't use it. Don't put yourself down like that, Joe. Right. And we were due for a new one because, like, we had one of those string ones, and I don't, you know what I mean? Like, that wasn't the choice that I, you know what I mean? I got you. Yeah, yeah. You're probably skimming off the click-through to get those, (laughs) to get to buy weed whackers for the house. I wish. No, I do all my clicking through on, uh, Podvocacy, and because they're, they're funky recording schedule, they never mention any of the shit I buy from them. What? Uh Uh-huh. I would stop buying if I were you. Mmm. You said it. Well, hey, if they're not going to mention all the wonderful things that you buy. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Friday, I have regular work. Um, I come home, and I get out of my car, and I forgot my old glasses at work. Because <laughs> I have, so. I, I, my new glasses were not in yet. As of this recording, my new glasses are in, and they look fantastic. They make your face pop. Oh, yeah. My face pops on its own. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Stops traffic. Makes children <laughs> cry. It what? It makes children cry. Uh, with 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 happiness. Mm. But when I go when I leave work because it's so nice out, I put my prescription sunglasses on. Right. Mm-hmm. I put my case that the sunglasses are in in my bag. I didn't put my other glasses inside my case. So now I gotta drive all the way back up here, uh, you know, from Wilkes-Barre to Scranton to go get my glasses so I have them for the weekend. I was gonna be like, you know what? My other glasses, the new glasses will be in. Let's give them a call to see if they're in. Maybe we can just go run pick them up. And they're like, yeah, it looks like there was a problem with them at the lab. They're, they're probably not gonna be until at least the 20, the 23rd. And this was the 18th, and I'm like, well, we're driving back up to Scranton so I can get my glasses so I can see indoors for the next three days. <laughs> luckily, Super Secret Science never stops. So right, you're able they to were open. In. Luckily, I called ahead to make sure there were people there so I can go in, and I just did the pop-in real quick mm-hmm. under the under the cover of night, under the cover of darkness. That's right. Under the cover of afternoon in the biggest car in the county. <laughs> So speaking of cars, Todd, mm-hmm. enough of my enough of my blathering. Let's get into what everyone came here for, which is to hear us talk about Smokey and the Bandit number three. That's right. Let me just say one quick thing. All right. Ladies, gentlemen, 
I'd like to thank you for coming here to listen to us talk about Smokey and the Bandit 3. I'm Buford Todd Justice, and this is my partner, Joner. That's what, that's, I, I just, that I can't wait to talk about this movie. It was so good. I'm going to sit back and let you regale me about how much you loved this movie. Todd? No? Yes? What? To paraphrase a famous phrase that you stole mm-hmm. many a times. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> oh, no. Todd. Yes. What the fuck is this movie? Listen, this movie has everything. It oh, has, it does. It, none it of it has, makes a lick of sense. None of it goes from person to person or plot to plot or scene to scene. Characters are introduced for no reason whatsoever. It's almost as though they filmed a completely different movie, Todd, and then had to slapdash something quick together to, like, meet a contract or, you know, be able to make good on cashing a check. That's right. Listen, Joe, this thing was amazing. It has everything you could possibly want. It has acting. It has a plot. (laughs) It has... Stunts? It okay, has okay, I'll give you ADR? <laughs> oh my god. Now, people will say, Todd, right? the 70s were a golden age of movies, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got your Godfathers, you've got your taxi drivers, you know, you go a little bit later into the years of the 70s, and you've got stuff like Jaws and Star Wars and, you know, Movies that defined a generation and changed things. Right. That's what everyone remembers from the 70s and early 80s. Nobody remembers that 85% of the rest of the movies that were being released during that time were dog shit. (sighs) This movie falls into that category of dog shit. But again, I can't say this was the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Because... There was, like, one and a half good performances. The stunts were really cool. It was awesome to see so many needlessly elaborate practical effects. Well, I love the fact that, like, at least 60% of the stunts were donuts. <laughs> like, it was just like, let's do donuts for two minutes. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And that's another thing, Todd. You would mentioned last week that this movie is a lean 85 minutes. Right? Oh, lean. I've never had so much padding in a lean movie. I think this literally could have been 44. Like, there's a 44-minute version of this movie that's in this piece of garbage that kind of would flow a little bit better, right? Right. So let's let's explain to the people the plot of the film. If you're not familiar uh, with the Smokey and the Bandit franchise, I've seen these movies before, Todd, but they Mm -hmm. didn't have the sticking power in my head for me, that they did for you. Right. Okay. Well, my, my father was a trucker okay. for a while. So, like, he knew the CB lingo. And he really liked the Smokey and the Bandit movie. Because the original Smokey and the Bandit was, there was a lot of improv. And they threw out the script so they could, like, put in trucker, like, actual lingo and stuff like that. And my father was like, it's very, like, all joking aside, a lot of, like, what they say was, like, realistic 
shit in the seventies that people would say on CBs and stuff like that. Now they improved smoking the bandit three at times, but it was much, much better. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that I looked up a fact that smoking the bandit three had twice the budget of the first movie. <laughs> Twice the budget, Joe. The original Smokey the Bandit was the second highest grossing movie in 1977 after, guess what? Star Wars. I was going to say, after Star Wars, yes. Right. (laughs) So there was big expectation. Then they had Smokey the Bandit 2, I think, when Empire Strikes Back came out. And then Smokey the Bandit 3 went up against Return of the Jedi, I think. Three, two perfect trilogies, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, perfect. Nothing wrong with them. But, uh, Go ahead with your explanation of the this right. trilogy. Or, so the other franchise. problem is this movie doesn't know what it wants to be. Like, is it a parody movie? Because it takes it does parodies and does shots like it has an opening credits crawl like Star Wars, <laughs> uh, Jackie Gleason, and again Sheriff Buford T. Justice. It's Jackie Gleason, right? Right. So he like reenacts a scene from Patton, the famous scene from Patton. And then there's right. another homage later in the film to Jaws, right? Amongst right. Uh, much self-referential stuff to the previous Smokey films themselves. Right, but what you're forgetting, too, is it starts off with literally, like, what, a three-minute montage of clips from the uh, from the first movie? Right, so in addition to, if you're a bad movie, don't make references in your movie to other good movies. Mm-hmm. But also don't show a highlight reel of the previous two better movies that you're a sequel of, which is interspersed with shots of Burt Reynolds laughing. Right. And then, Joe, you know what the best part about it is? You have you have all those scenes. And you know who's completely scrubbed from all those scenes? Uh, Sally Field. Sally Field is not in one of those opening montage scenes. Fred gets time in the opening scenes. <laughs> But no Sally Field. I'm like, woof, I guess they didn't want to cut that check. You know what I mean? Well, you know, there were some, you know, obviously I did the research as well. That they, the plan originally was to get the original cast back, and she ended up, spoilers everyone, Sally Field ended up being the only one who didn't come back, even for a needless Vaseline-lensed cameo at the end of the film. <laughs> we'll, spoilers, Joe. Spoilers. We'll get to that. Right. So Buford T. Justice, a.k.a. Jackie Gleason, is giving his big retirement speech. A la Patton. A la Patton, where he's going to go and retire to Florida. Uh, however, he is accosted at his, interrupted, if you will, at his retirement speech by Big Enos and Little Enos. Burdette. I want to say this. Little Enos, played by the legendary songwriter and songster <laughs> himself, Paul Williams, Seeing, right. Being reminded that he was in this film was the most pleasant surprise of this film. Right. And he's great at it. He is, okay, he he's is fantastic in this movie. Because if you've ever seen Paul Williams, like, interviewed or, you know, <laughs> how he sings or anything else like that, he is, like, this little tiny, like, nebbishy guy with, like, a weird look and... You know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And in this movie, he's like the crummy little toady sidekick. He completely puts on a different voice. He's like, oh, daddy. He's We're going to un- get that. Paul Williams is unbelievable in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you would know him. Um, you know, he was a songwriter for, like, The Carpenters. He did uh, Rainbow Connection, most notably, 
Like that's the song that you would probably most know him for. Is right. He did most of the early Muppet. I think he did. I think he did like all the Muppet movies up to a certain point, and then he came back for the from the How I Met Your Mother Muppet movie. The one guy was in it. He, I think, he did some songs in that. He's he's great. Um, and one one of the things that you might remember him is he did the voice of the penguin on uh, Batman the animated series. Oh, okay, I forgot about that. Yep. So he's fantastic in this movie, and Big Enos and Little Enos come and t- remind uh, Jackie Gleason, they're like, you might be retiring, but you never caught the bandit, right? Mm-hmm. So now we cut to B-roll of Jackie Gleason's vacation footage, because it's Jackie Gleason in his, and this is a joke that I stole from Baba Booey Gary Delabate. Mm-hmm. Gary Delabate was a, a gentleman who at times would fluctuate in his weight, and he would always <laughs> say in the Stern show that he's got the Jackie Gleason closet, where he's got the section of skinny clothes and the section of fat clothes. Mm-hmm. This is fat Jackie Gleason clothes. He's, oh. he's walking on the beach in his one-piece moo-moo. He's playing shuffleboard. He's smoking a cigarette at SeaWorld. And then he decides, let's go take up those enuses on their offer. All of a sudden, the Enuses are in Florida with their boat. Funny story about the boat, Todd. Oh, wait, I just want to go back to, like, the the, the retirement. First of all, I love the fact that he, he jumps through the American flag with the car, with the, with the U-Haul on the back, bouncing behind it, is one of my favorite memories of it. Then, um, the shuffleboard thing, I love because he gets sharked by a shuffleboard, and he played Minnesota Fats in The Hustler. So I think that was like a little nod to like the guy's like, oh, like you want to play for like all these hundreds? And he's like, "Uh, here's the finger, like old guy and everything like that. So I just there's two scenes right there that are just absolutely amazing that you just skipped over. But go ahead. All right. Not amazing. (laughs) So the boat that the uh, Enuses show up on is the yacht entitled Monkey Business. (laughs) And I say and I say to myself, I'm like, boy, that's hilarious. Because, like, how funny is it that someone else named their boat Monkey Business off of the scene in this movie? Little did I know, they borrowed the the existing yacht Monkey Business from Senator, Congressman, whatever Gary Hart was, mm-hmm. where the pictures circulated of him on his yacht, Monkey Business, with his mistress, which right. cost him his presidential nod. Well, there you go. Smoking the Bandit 3 probably helped that. Right. I, I just thought it was like, I'm like, oh, like, here's a gimmick yacht for the movie because, like, here are these two clowns. So they have a boat named Monkey Business. Senator Gary Hart, or Congressman, or whatever the hell he is, sees Smoking the Bandit 3 and says, you know, when I get a yacht, I'm going to name it after this scene in my favorite movie. As it should be his favorite movie. Which wasn't, which, the real thing was more ridiculous. Gary Hart already had the yacht named Monkey Business, was probably a big fan of the Smokey franchise, and said, hey, you guys want to use my yacht for the movie? The best movie. So, they task um, Jackie Gleason and his dim-witted son, Junior, who played Tarzan in Tarzan movies. I knew he was in something. And he was also, if you're a fan of MASH, he was Hot Lips Houlihan's husband, Lieutenant Colonel Donald Penobscot. (laughs) There's only two people I know in 2018 who are big fans of MASH. One of them actually listens to this show, so they'll appreciate that reference. Right. 
And is the other one me? No, the other one is someone who I have a bounty out on their jacket. Oh, and the third one is me. I'm a oh, huge The third mash. one is you. Well, you don't right. count. You're part of the show. Oh, okay. I'm not a fan of the show. That's right. Right. You're not. How many episodes of the show have you listened to? Um, over-unders? I would go the over-under is one. Okay. I'm taking the under. I would take the under on that. Right. So, uh, they task Jackie Gleason with driving from Florida back to Texas with this shark on the roof of his, his, uh, cop car that mm-hmm. has advertising for the Enos Fish and Chips place, right? Right. So, uh, he's like, oh, that's only like 14 hours. I could do that, you know, no problem. But of course, the Enoses are going to like do a bunch of like tricks and traps on him. Like they're going to organize line painting and they're going to have a milk truck. And each one of these little skits, the Enuses show up in different outfits, sometimes outfits befitting of whatever prat, pratfall or plan they have devised. Mm-hmm. And if uh, Buford could do this, if Jackie Gleason could do this, they're going to give him $250,000. If he can't do it, he has to give his sheriff star over to uh, Little Enos. Yep, yeah, he's going to make a belt buckle out of it. So the plot of this movie is the flimsiest thing in the history of things, right? Right. So they set up all these gimmicks, and through, like, not through, like, smarts, or not through any sort of planning, the sheriff, uh, Jackie Gleason, gets through them. Okay? Mm-hmm. 18 minutes into the movie. 18 minutes into this 85 minutes movie. Spectacular. S- someone gets the idea, oh shit, we don't have the bandit in this movie. Mm-hmm. So they call up Jerry Reed, a.k.a. the snowman. Mm-hmm. And they just say, hey... Do you want to be the bandit? And he says, hey, even though I haven't had this in the previous movies, luckily I darkened my hair and have this mustache. Why, sure, I'll be the bandit. (laughs) Oh, Legends of Tomorrow called him up and went back in time and gave him a mustache. Jesus Christ. Well, the reason uh, they get him is because they don't want Burt Reynolds' bandit. They don't want that one because he's an egomaniac. The only one you could really trust was the snowman. Makes perfect sense. And as for a flimsy plot, Joe, so the plot is the Enuses make a bet that they can't get the fish across, you know, a couple of states in 14 hours. Do you know what the plot of one and two was? Not much, not much meatier. The first one was go pick up some beer and get back here in 18 hours. And the second one was get an elephant somewhere in 18 hours those those are the plots so like like just ripping down the plot of three is okay but that's the thing so the first two movies already had this flimsy plot now we're into the third movie and we're just like it's the same flimsy plot right but copy an a get an a plus this time oh my god (laughs) so now the bandit is on the trail of jackie gleason right Mm-hmm. And everybody knows from the previous two uh, smoky movies that apparently happened in real life in this world, mm-hmm. everyone across the United States knows who the bandit is. He's and, the legend! Okay, and knows who Buford T. Justice is. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the fact that everyone knows who the bandit is is going to be key later on at the end of the movie. 
Right, and just so you know, everybody knows who the bandit is because in two they establish that he he legitimately like he put out a record, and right, he, he, the song they, was they call him the bandit. The bandit. Yeah, I know the song. <laughs> I sing it all the time. You do, you do. I do. Uh, so, uh, now th- there's two movies essentially going on, right? You've got the bandit, who is just kind of driving around aimlessly, but, like, trying to get the shark that's on the top of the car, but not really, because he drives by a live ad read for a used car lot, Mm -hmm. where this poor woman, who has been obviously being abused by the guy who runs this, all of a sudden gets the, the guts up to expose this guy live in the air, and jump into a, the next moving car that comes by that just happens to be not the bandit, because we need a woman in this movie. Which was the plot to one, because that's how Sally Field ended up in the car with Burt Reynolds. Are you shitting was, me? She was doing. It was the same thing with the the live ad for the. the no, what thing? happened was it was slightly different, Joe. She was getting married to Enos, or not Enos. She was getting married to Junior, and she ran out of the wedding. And, and the whole get the beer across country and she ends up getting in the bandit's car. And that's how Buford starts chasing the bandit. He's not after the, the, the beer going across the Mississippi River. He wants Sally Field back because she skipped out on the wedding that he spent all this money on and insulted my son. You're coming back and getting married. And for most of the movie, Burt Reynolds, the bandit doesn't know this. He, she can't figure out why a Texas Mountie is following him through Alabama and through all these states. So that's the exact same plot of the first movie. And by the way, do you know the name of the guy who owns the car lot? No. It was Skip Town. Was the name of the, was the name of the guy who owned the car lot? And the girl's name. Do you know what the girl's name was? Uh, du- wasn't it like Dusty Road or something? It was Dusty Trails. Dusty. Let me tell you something. That young Jerry Reed reminds me of a bandit I knew in my heyday by the name of Burt Reynolds. Oh, my goodness. So then we get the separate thing of like, hey, we're getting hungry. Let's go stop somewhere to get something to eat. And the bandit says, I'm sure you know the exact line because God forbid. Right. He says, let's go get a ground mound around and throw it down or some shit. Mm-hmm. Which is not as good as, let's pull in, this is the first movie, it's my, or the first Smoking the Bandit. Let's pull pull into the local choke and puke and throw a few bags of groceries down our neck. Now see, that is a better line. <laughs> it is a better line. So they go there. And then there's a prolonged, which I think was only like five minutes, but felt like 40 minutes, mm-hmm. where the bandit kept going in, uh, my apologies, not the bandit, kept going into this place while a bunch of bikers leered at the woman, Dusty Trails. Mm-hmm. Was there? Yeah. Dusty, Dusty, Dusty Highway. Where he goes in, and it's like, oh, uh, I'm going to go get you those burgers. And they toss him out. What did you want on those burgers? Onion. Goes back in. Toss them out. What did you want to drink with that? Toss them out. Then he goes back in like a fifth time, and then he starts tossing people out. Then he gets tossed out again, 
Then he goes back in, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, gets, we're beyond the joke of this. Like, this is time filler. He got the hot tag, Joe! Oh, and he never got a drink, neither. What was in the bag? A large drink and multiple burgers were in that tiny bag, Todd? Bullshit. I think she only wanted one burger. Anyway, so much of this movie is extraneous, has nothing to do with anything. (sighs) You're killing me. So they're continuing, and they get the shark off Jackie Gleason, and Jackie Gleason's car is continuing, like, going through states of disrepair from all the damage that it's taking from going through all the shit that it's going through, right? It's got a fender. It doesn't have a fender. Right. And then... Now, this is the only other halfway decent part is because they end up on the Joey Chitwood Thrill Show. Oh, that's fantastic. On the Mississippi Fairgrounds. And everyone knows. They're like, oh, hey, look, it's the bandit and the, you know, and uh, the sheriff. Everyone knows who these people are. This isn't part of the show, but this announcer is just going to roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. Which happened in the first movie when oh they drove God. when they drove through a little football game, uh, like a pee wee football game. They're like, "Hey, it's the Bandit" and everything. So, but you know, good. You're killing your daddy. You're killing your daddy. Oh, oh my goodness! Good stuff, Daddy. Look, we're gonna head into that big pipe. That ain't no pipe. That's a cannon. <laughs> Boom. It's- Oh, so good, Joe. Joey Chitwood stunt spectacular. So after everything that goes through there, uh, not the bandit decides like, hey, I'm not the real bandit. I need to take a break. So mm-hmm. now we go to another set piece, which is like a filthy motel where people <laughs> have like sex fiend clubs and so forth. Right. This is a hotel Dan Fielding would go to from Night Court. Now, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Is this a PG movie, Todd? Um, yes, it was back in, I think so. Wow. Because this scene, now granted, it is the briefest of nudity because they're looking for the bandit, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, Jackie Gleason and his dim-witted son show up, and they're looking in these rooms, and they f- they flash on the screen literally for a second. <laughs> yep. Scenes of depravity and debauchery going on, right? Right. And then Jackie Gleason will make some sort of joke about it, right? And then they'll do it again. And this goes on for like six or seven times. Right. It's not overdone, right? Oh, my God, Todd. Get away from that door before you get a herpes on you. (laughs) So then they end up, uh, they find the shark. But before they go, through a steam room... Jackie Gleason sees uh, a silhouette. A silhouette that he assumes is the bandit. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not the bandit. It's this woman who is a large woman, and I don't mean like a, a, a fat woman. I mean a tall woman mm-hmm. who's wearing the same hat that the bandit is wearing. But if you put this woman and the bandit next to each other, they don't even... Like, she's got, like, a foot and a half and 60 pounds on him. But she was sitting down when he went in the steam room. He couldn't see. He just put the handcuff on her. 
So she becomes in a fat infatuated with Jackie Gleason, and there's a fun scene where they are handcuffed together, and he's trying to get her out the window, and then he goes out the window, and then they simulate that they're dry-humping each other <laughs> yep. in yet another prolonged scene. And I'll say that gave me a little bit of a chuckle. Right, and my favorite part about that is when they're going out the window, and the window closes, the slide whistle sound. <laughs> And it's like, oh, like, mama's not going to like this. And then they once they get out, he's like, are you okay, daddy? And he's like, ugh. And he goes, okay. And he throws the shark out and hits him with it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic comedy. So then they're in the home stretch. And they oh, eat, what was that? I just want to say, Enos didn't have a hand, or not Enos, Junior didn't keep his handcuff key in his pocket. What What kind of guy doesn't do that, Joe? Oh, God damn! You always have a handcuffed key on you! Especially since that hotel looks like a place I've frequented many a time before! That's right. Motherfucker! <laughs> yep. So, uh, they get out in the home stretch, they're close. Uh, the time frame, like, there's no clock now involved. It's just essentially him getting there. Cause right, it was whenever they say how long. On this, right? Right. We get occasionally get like how long they have get left to go. Like, but only when we get close to the the two hour deadline. Right. So then there's like a scene with like speedboats and all Nudist. this other crazy nonsense where like the the sheriff's car is essentially just a frame mm-hmm. with two wheels and two rims because two of the tires are busted and mm-hmm. the dim witted sun is holding aloft the the the, the lights. Mm-hmm. Because the rest of the car is just gone. It just doesn't exist. So the bandit all of a sudden decides, I'm going to let the sheriff have this one. Much like Tom and Jerry, the Roadrunner and the the, the Wiley Coyote, you know, I got to let him get this one to keep this going. Because obviously this is going to be the start of more franchises after this, right? Smoking the Bandit 4, Smoking the Bandit 5. Smoking right. the Bandit 6. Mm. Or none of that shit ever happened. Uh, but Joe, what, what is all, what is the Smokey without the Bandit? It would be like you without me. Hmm. Mm. I think you and I are both fighting for that Jackie Gleason role, I'll just tell you. Well, I'm more Jackie Gleason than you are, I'll tell you that right now. So, they pull up at the country club. Uh, Jackie Gleason pulls up. He gives the fish over to the Enuses. The Enuses begrudgingly give him the money. Bandit comes around like the little uh, little area there, like the greeting area in front of the big fancy place, because he wants to get a bird's eye view of what's going on. Jackie Gleason sees him, starts making a beeline for him, because like now he's got his chance, he's going to get the Bandit, and the Bandit's car won't start. Right. So, not not the Bandit, the snowman gets the bright idea... Hey, there's only one person who thinks I'm really the bandit. Mm-hmm. Just lean back, and I'll take care of the rest. Right. Then we go, for no reason whatsoever, a hazy shot <laughs> of, I guess, Jackie Gleason hallucinating that he's really talking to the real bandit, a.k.a. Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially the thing where he says to Jack, uh, the bandit says to Jackie Gleason, like, hey, if you catch me, then you finally accomplished your goal, and then you could just go back to retirement. Then he remembers back 
how bad retirement was, and he says, I'll give you a five-minute head start. And then we're off and running, uh, eastbound and down, you know, whatever the song is. Stop it. The song is Ticket for the Wind, and it's a great song. It is a great song. Very sad if you actually listen to it, knowing that this is going to be the last Smokey and the Bandit movie. It just, it gets me every time. Anyway, so, uh, movie stunk, but I do have to mention three other things in this. I meant, well, okay, so, there was the scene that I took the picture of, and <laughs> you, the listeners of the show, if you were younger than, I don't know, 35, right? Mm-hmm. You probably forget a time where a classic staple in many a 70s and early 80s comedy film was the Ku Klux Klan showing up. (laughs) There was even a Richard Pryor movie where that was the poster of the film. Mm -hmm. Where Richard Pryor on the poster of the movie was being chased by those (laughs) lovable redneck scamps, the Ku Klux Klan. Yep. So in this film... Again, another scene that's just out of nowhere where there's two guys driving a chicken truck and the Ku Klux Klan show up and just start harassing them. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, the uh, 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 Jackie Gleason shows up and kind of like just kind of swerves in between them, causes the Ku Klux Klan's truck to flip over. They all land in a bunch of tar. And again, as soon as I thought of the chicken truck and as soon as I saw the Ku Klux Klan, I'm like, okay. They're getting tarred and feathered. I see this gag coming literally down the highway. Let's see how this plays out. It plays out in a lot of animal abuse, apparently. What? No, they're fine. Those chickens are okay still? Yes, those chickens are alive and well. Uh, they they are on the, uh, the, the, the DVD of Smoking the Bandit 3 oh. doing commentary. Okay. Right. And that's one of my favorite jokes is when Junior asks uh, his father if he had ever joined the clan and he's like, Nope, but your mama did. Every time she put on her sheet, she looked like an iceberg with feet. It's one of my favorite gags in that. Where no. Dusty Road would have said, Buford's wife looked like a slow block of ice. <laughs> that's right. Well that's what Dusty Trails would have said. Right. Now, the, and again, they don't, like, I don't remember her name being in the credits, but the tall woman who falls Mm -hmm. in love with, uh, Jackie Gleason? Yep, she's an actual stunt woman. Okay, right, I figured because she does a bunch of, you know, she does a bunch of crazy stuff in the movie. Right, she rides on the roof of the car. Mm -hmm. But there's a scene where she's in the trunk, and, what is it, I wish I could remember the exact quote, Mm -hmm. but it's very obvious that they edit out Jackie Gleason saying, like, I'm here for this, not I, for... What was that? He goes, I am, I am here, I'm not here for pussy. He's like, and he goes, I'm not here for party time. Right, and he very clearly says pussy, but they right. edit over party time. That's when they get that coveted PG rating. <laughs> now, a way that I was surprised that they didn't get the coveted PG rating is, I forget where they show up at, like, this is where, like, before they get to the motorboats and all the speedboats and all that jazz. Right. Uh, Jackie Gleason tells Dimwitted Son, stay with the car, right? Mm-hmm. And that girl shows up and invites Dimwitted Son to come to their picnic. Right. And then she turns around and she's naked underneath her uh, her apron, apron thing that she's wearing. 
So, of course, Dimwitted Son goes to this, and that's where later, when, uh, definitely not a stunt person with, like, long hair, <laughs> Jackie Gleason comes flying out of the speedboat and lands right in the middle of a nudist colony, another staple of late <laughs> 70s, early 80s comedy, mm-hmm. where there's just tons of naked people around, um, including this woman he he says some sort of remark because uh, he's fascinated by how beautiful all these naked people look. And he says, in my day, you know, something, we covered that sort of stuff up. We didn't flaunt it for the world. And he walks away. But they're like, hey, man, cool, whatever. You're into whatever you're into. Wait, oh, But he has another one of my favorite Buford T. Justice lines. He's like, give me the good old days where a pair of boobs were a couple of dumb guys. <laughs> That's a very vaudevillian Jackie Gleason line, so I did like I did like that. And then uh, Jackie Gleason goes back to his car. The sun comes running. He's like, you know, he's like in his like comically like heart boxers with his cowboy hat on. Mm-hmm. And then the girl's like, "Oh, you forgot your pants, right?" And she's naked, so you get a couple shots of her naked. She but was she, the highlight of the film. But she was kind of crossing her arms, so no, you didn't listen, get to see. Too much. Todd, if you're if you're an expert prevert like me, <laughs> uh, she was the star of the movie. She should have got top billing. She didn't do much else after that film. Believe me, I checked. Me too. All right. Her and Paul Williams were the bright spots of an otherwise terrible film. What? No. But again, her, her being naked, Paul Williams' performance... And the cool, actual, practical stunts made this, uh, saved this from being the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god, Joe. This movie is so good. So good. Paul Williams, I still, I love when they're in the, the hotel, the, 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 the sleazy hotel, and they're walking through, and he's like, I just, I just saw a vending machine with penicillin in it. That's one of my favorite jokes. And when they get molested by the by the bodybuilder guys, because Big Enus and Little Enus are in, uh, in women's drag. outfit. Yeah, they're in drag. And as they're leaving, he's like, he's like, I'm sorry about that, son. Uh, that didn't turn out the way I thought. Uh, I didn't think you were gonna get the big one. And he's like, Shut up, daddy. I'm trying to remember that guy's number. Was it five 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 one four one four? Or five 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 four one four one. <laughs> they still use those numbers whenever I have to do fake numbers. Love this book. And my other favorite gag in it is when the Enuses are trying to stop them, and they use their granddaughter, little little Enus, right, to blow up the car, and it it just becomes the frame of the car. And Enus is holding the, or uh, Junior's holding the lights, and Junior's like, "What happened, Daddy?" And the car's gone. There's not an ounce of, you know, fender, quarter panel, anything on the thing. And he goes, we must have blew another goddamn tire. <laughs> I, I just think it's like your fucking car exploded. And that's your thing. is like a tire. That's That has to be what it is. And one last one I'm trying to think of is when they rig the gas tank. And Buford T. Justice is like, oh, gas. He's like, I told you not to have that pizza, daddy. And he's like, not my belly. The car. Did you fill it up? And he's like, I thought, and this is the line I use all the time. You thought, what the hell did you use? <laughs> Just, I, that's a staple in my family. You thought, what the hell did you use? 
So this is a collection of gags with a very loose thread connecting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I can't recommend this movie to people. What? Uh, after I saw, now before I saw the movie, you know, and obviously like, uh, who was it? And again, I feel bad because, uh, who was the guy who tipped us off that it was on CMT? Um, uh, Mr. Mixerplex, was that it? No, I, I, I'll look. I'm looking now myself. Uh, but yeah, you know, obviously, so I was helping people out, and like, oh, here's a link, and if you don't have CMT, you can sign up for a 24-hour trial of it, and all this <laughs> jazz, right? Right. I was saying those things before I saw, before I watched the movie. <sighs> After I watched the movie, and people were like, hey, uh, before I listen to this week upcomings After Dark, should I check out, uh, Smoking the Bandit 3? Nope! Wow! I go, you're good. Don't waste your time. Oh, uh, my God. David Church, Chuckroy86 on Twitter, was the mm-hmm. one who tipped us off that uh, it was part of a Smokey and, the, uh, Smokey and the Bandit marathon. And I would just like to say that David Church, who tweeted me shortly, uh, not too uh, long before we recorded this, just finished Smokey and the Bandit, and it was better than I expected. Jackie Gleason's performance is amazing! Exclamation point. And he got the pat. I haven't thrown one of these out in a long time, Joe. This guy gets it, trademark. <laughs> I haven't like that's that's how hard you have to work to get one of those now, right? But uh, and uh, now I really want to see a day. I was doing some searching too that they said uh, the director doesn't even know if the original cut exists anywhere of like whatever it was, and I'm like. I goddamn Universal released the, the the Smokey is the Bandit cut. Now I would have a sick fascination with seeing the Smokey is the Bandit cut. If if that ever gets released, Joe, if that ever gets like leaks or escapes, as you say, I was gonna say it's gonna be, it's gonna be more of an escape. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, that is happening. That is that is. I'm coming over your house to watch it on the big screen TV over there at your house. We're getting the pizza with the onions and the steak and cheese pizza, and we're watching that movie. That is happening. That's a promise. There's no there's no Joe wiggling out of this sposto in any way, shape, or form. Just so you know. I'm all for it. Oh, Everything I... gets released now anyway. Why not this? It's going to take, like, a remake um, of Smokey and the Bandit coming out for them to release that. Right. Like the TV shows. Do you remember those? The action hours? No. Do you remember how, like, Hercules and Xena was oh, part yeah, of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there, that was a thing, and then they were trying different TV movies. Because, like, I think Hercules and Xena, well, Hercules definitely started out as, like, two-hour movies. And then it became the hour the hour show, and Xena spun out of that, so I don't know if she had a two-hour movie to start. But they were like, we're going to try this, and we're going to try that. And Smokey and the Bandit, in the, in the 90s, had a TV show that it was two-hour movies, and there was like three of them. And then they just like went away, like they didn't have the ratings. But they were thinking about, it was like a pilot like the the the, the hercules legends of hercules show that they were going to do and i'm like thank god like we didn't need that after like you could have just ended perfectly with three smoking the band at three and you would have been fine but yeah i could see if they ever do do like a, a, a remake which i'm surprised they actually haven't done smoking the bandit now like 
I don't understand why, because uh, they like to remake everything. But I could see them doing it and then be like, oh, we're going to put this out, we're going to put that out, we're gonna put... and to give it some oomph, like something you've never seen before, Smokey is the bandit. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Joe, I'll be right over. So here's what I'm doing here, Todd. I am going to tweet at Universal Pictures. I did that today. Oh, you already did? I tweeted at them, hey, we're recording this episode. Oh, I um, missed your tweet, I'm sorry. We demand that you release the Smokey is, Smokey is the Bandit cut. Screw the Snyder cut of Justice League. Oh, no, that was it, a couple days ago. Oh, no, you, okay, that right, because you did the one a couple days ago. And I did one tonight. Oh, and okay. I'll do one Friday, too, just before we release this. I'm all over this, Joe. This is important to me. There's not much that is as important to me as getting the Smokey is the Bandit cut released. I want that hashtag, that unwieldy <laughs> hashtag. Why do you think I did it that way, Joe? All right, here we go. Sometimes I know comedy. Sometimes. Sometimes. So, right. so even if the next movie that we do, Todd, mm-hmm. is a 90-minute test pattern, by default it'll be better than Smoking the Bandit 3. Right. Speaking of our next movies. Mm, look at that segue. Right, is I gave you three envelopes right, with three movies, and you said, if I got all three, you would buy me dinner at IHOP? Yeah. Okay, you have four movies coming up that we haven't done yet, so I'm going to give you a June? fourth envelope, and I don't have to get August. all four. Oh, yeah, I do have four. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a fourth envelope. I think I should get four guesses. I If I get three of them. You have to buy me dinner at IHOP. I okay. have to get all four. Three. If I get one or less, I'll buy you dinner at IHOP. If I hit two, it's a push. Nobody has to buy anything for each other. I'll I'll go you one better. Okay. Okay. If you get three, I buy you dinner. Mm-hmm. If you only get one, you buy me dinner. Right, that's what I said. But if the one that you get is the one that I know you cannot get. Right. By some way, some hooker by crook way, mm-hmm. you figure out the one, but get the other three wrong, I'm still going to buy you dinner. Okay. At IHOP. Right. We were joking about IHOP, but we can go wherever you want. I, tr- I tried to get into the new IHOP, IHOP this past weekend, and it was jam-packed. Well, don't forget, we have until December to, to figure this out, so... Right. Yeah, because I'm the last one. I forgot that I have four movies. You kept saying I have three. I'm like, I only have three movies. That's right. Well, what happened was I did my three, so I figured you did your three, but I started, so... Right, and you and you uh, stole one of my movies. You stole Dragnet from me. I didn't steal nothing. Yeah. I just picked the movie. <laughs> but uh, uh, as much as I'm giving you a hard time, I did uh, have fun discussing this movie with you. I had as much fun... No, I couldn't have as much fun discussing this movie as I did watching it. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. There's nothing I can do that would have as much fun watching Smoking the Bandit 3 as, right. uh, as I did. But this was pretty fun. I'm glad I'm glad I got you to watch it recently. So, And this is probably the last time you'll ever watch Smoking the Bandit 3? Unless they release the, the Bandit cut. Oh, right, uh, sm- uh, right, but and that's different. But this version of it... Oh, I'll ne- never again. Unless you get hit in the head and forget you watched it, maybe I can trick you. Maybe the scenes of that uh, nudist woman with the apron. Right. But just her scenes. Okay. 
And by the way, I don't know if that had anything to do with 10-year-old me really liking this movie, Joe. <laughs> I'm just going to say, uh, that scene with her in the apron walking away mm-hmm. is ingrained in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I could have told you if she had a birthmark or anything at that point. <laughs> so, and, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, at 10-year-old me, too, had a thing for the cowboy, the tall cowboy woman. Oh, okay. There was just something about just um, super nymphomaniac at 10 years old that kind of rang <laughs> to rang my bell. You know what I'm saying? Oh, what if there's another woman out there like this? Yes. Oh. I might have been a little older because I don't think I saw it at 10 exactly. But, you know, the, the peak ages. You right. Know? I get you. I get what you're putting down. Waiting for a big, tall woman to call me darling. <laughs> In a cowboy hat, you know, and then dry hump her out a window. <laughs> you know, like that's that's a thirteen year old Todd's biggest fantasy, <laughs> right? Oh, and to think, I at this time people were choosing to go see Return of the Jedi. Fucking idiots, Genie, <laughs> <laughs> MF. That's probably why they put the scenes of uh, Princess Leia in the bikini to combat mm-hmm. the scenes of the the woman in the in the apron. The nudist woman, yes. That's why they had the in the galaxy far, far away early on, or uh, in the movie. They they knew what they were doing. Of course. Oh, that's right. They went up against Jaws 3 that year, too. (laughs) They knew what they were going up against. Oh, it's it's even, it's, oh, Smokey the Bandit 3 is layered. Holy shit. It's like Inception. So good. All right, I'm done. Maybe not. Uh, so, so uh, just to close out, of course, I do want to mention that if you are so inclined, uh, this upcoming Sunday night into Monday, I will be appearing, making my triumphant return to the Between the Sheets podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they talk about this specific week in the world of professional wrestling in a specific year. We'll be discussing the year 1997, which is where the seeds began to sprout for what Todd would refer to as uh, the Ottawa Betrayal. Oh, that was a good betrayal in Ottawa. That's right. So it was 21 years ago this week where the seeds were planted, but they started to bear fruit. They started to have little saplings show up, right? Yep. Uh, and also, if you're, you know, that's going to come out Sunday night into Monday, whenever Chris and Dave release the show. Uh, but also, uh, if you are a subscriber to Chikartopia, Chikar is having their anniversario show this weekend. And I don't know, you might want to check it out. Yeah, could be fun. It might be a familiar voice on the show. Who knows? Yeah. Could be. <laughs> and just, uh, if you're watching, uh, to cue it up to the good part, at a minute, uh, or an hour, uh, seven, an hour mm-hmm. seven minutes in is where the, uh, the nudist <laughs> woman shows up in, uh, Smokey and the Bandit 3. Good. Uh, that's what I like to know. Right. Time codes. I didn't even have to look that up for Mr. Skin. I just had to find my, uh, my post-it note that I wrote down. Who used to do that? I'm trying to remember what what person was doing that. It used to be like, uh, 
what movie, like, it had the, there was a character in a movie who would know every scene in a, in a movie that someone was naked. They did that like, in Zack and Miri Make a Porno? And they did it on Wings. I oh, think. on Wings. Oh, my goodness. Wings. That's all. Yeah. But anyway. So I think we're done here. I think we're, we have a ticket for the wind right now. Right. You have to give me one more envelope to do your one more guess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, thanks everyone for listening. This was uh, episode 183 of Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, soon to be named Movie Club Roman Numeral 5. And uh, like I said, I promise you next time it'll be a, a better movie. By default, it has no choice to be. I have hate for you, Joe. Right. Fiery hate. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you next week. Longboxheroes.com. All that.